and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one transcendent page of Talmud every day. And today, one of the very last pages in Tractate Psachim, page 117, really wants to slow things down a little bit and talk to us for just a second about the incredible power words have to really transform us. Here's a little taste. The Gemara clarifies, according to those who dispute Rabbi Meir's claim that the entire book of Psalms was composed by King David, who recited this Hallel? Rabbi Yossi says, my son Elazar says that Moses and the Jewish people recited it when they ascended from the sea, and his colleagues dispute him, saying that it was recited by King David. And the statement of my son Elazar appears more accurate than their statement. The reason is as follows. Is it possible that the Jewish people slaughtered their paschal lambs and took and waved their lulavim all those generations without reciting a song? Rather, the Jews must have recited a song each year. Since it is the custom to sing Hallel nowadays, it is evidently an ancient institution. What a beautiful idea from Rabbi Yossi that when monumental things happen to us, we sing a song of praise. That when the world gives us these transcendent, inexplicable moments, we just have to come up with the right words for it. Which is why it is my pleasure to welcome to the show Menachem Kaiser, the author of a newly published book, Plunder, a memoir of family property and Nazi treasure. I have to tell you, we're recording this just before Shabbos, and I am just thrilled because I'm halfway through this book and I can't wait to just have a few clear hours to sit and finish it. It is truly tremendous. Menachem, thank you so much for being our guest. My pleasure. So this incredible memoir is such a kind of a spiritual and emotional meditation into the most hurtful, inspiring, transcendent topics we can imagine, you know, life and love and family and loss. As you sat down to write, as you sat down to grapple with questions of what does it mean to be in control of your legacy, to tell your own story, how did you approach this question? Yeah, I think, you know, when you're sort of faced with these monumental questions, especially with topics that are so hot and like so charged for so many of us, it's very scary to put words to them especially on a more personal note, because anything you write is just going to feel insufficient. It's just going to feel underwhelming, or that's the danger. But on the other hand, you know, I'm a sort of a big believer in the philosophy that it doesn't quite exist until it's put into words. I think the challenge is, can you get there and write something that feels honest and true? And it is terrible. Leo, you know, you're the writer of several books, and it almost doesn't even matter the topic. It's just so hard to get something that's true and honest. And then, you know, the challenge gets just amplified so many times over when it's a topic that, you know, so many people feel so traumatized by and so affected by even all these years later. So, yeah, you know, it's it's my story and it's my family. You know, going back to today's stuff, words do redeem it. I like, you know, we commemorate many things with a moment of silence, and that's like a sort of pause. It puts into relief that time or that event. And, you know, we sit still with our thoughts. But it's very hard to pass on silence. It's very hard to sort of explain anything with silence. What we have is words. These are things that how we commemorate and memorialize. And so back to your question, yeah, it, w- it was difficult, but you just go through it and through it until, you know, it feels honest. 
and I, I don't know to what extent I succeeded. I, I would say you succeeded, if I may, as a reader <laughs> brilliantly, and, and I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but at some point, you make this astonishing discovery that one of your distant relatives not only survived, but also himself wrote a secret memoir. It's one of my secret joys of my book is that it's really about another book. My grandfather, it turned out, had a first cousin who survived the war that we had never known about. You know, we had been always under the impression that no relatives had survived. You know, his siblings were murdered, his parents, all of his uncles and aunts and cousins. And then he had a cousin named Abraham Kaiser, who was a slave laborer for a you know, underground Nazi complex called Project Riza. And he wrote a secret memoir. And, you know, he wrote it as a diary while working on these tunnels. And he would sort of the story of the memoir is almost as astonishing as the memoir itself. He would steal scraps of cement packaging and then scribble using a stolen pencil. And these he would hide them underneath the latrines. And then after the war, he uh, borrowed a bicycle from the woman who saved them and biked from camp to camp, retrieving these pages and then kind of assembled them and with the help of an editor, turned them into a, a memoir, which was published in Israel in the late 40s and in Poland in the early 60s. Incredible. And if that wasn't enough, as they say in the infomercials, but wait, there's more because it turns <laughs> out that this memoir turns out to be a kind of a real source of excitement for treasure hunters. So there's a large, let's call it a subculture of uh, treasure hunters you know there's a spectrum of them some of them are sort of hobbyists you know, who go out with metal detectors and some of them are fairly sophisticated using anything you know radar and magnetometers and you know all sorts of high-tech gadgets and they are obsessed with what they call mystery which is sort of a catch-all term for everything unexplained and strange particularly with respect to world war ii spaces and artifacts and so these guys are just obsessed with these underground tunnels I mentioned, Project Riza, and there is no primary documentation that exists. They really are quite an enigma. And so Abraham's memoir, because he had worked as a slave laborer and took notes on what he was doing and which German companies and locations has become kind of a, a primary text. And because otherwise documentation is so scarce, they all really kind of study it. They really, it's almost a sacred text, if you will. And what I love most about this is this clash that I think is really kind of a little bit what today's stuff is about between words as a means to an end and words as just an expression of gratitude as a capture of a moment in time as a means of joy and survival. Menachem Kaiser, the book is incredible. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much, Bill. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon.